everybody. You are listening to my dad on the Handgun World Podcast. Why does he carry a gun? Because he can't carry a cop. Hi folks, I'm Bob Main. Welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop. This is episode number 486, and the date of this release of this episode is September 1st, 2019. So, thank you everybody for tuning in. I very much appreciate it. So in this episode, I've got some things to say about the approximately one year test that I've been doing. Uh, I started it last August 2018 to do a test to find out which guns or guns, uh, which gun or guns are going to be are going to be the ones that I'm going to primarily carry. And my my first intention was to get a 1911 or borrow a 1911 and also a double action, single action gun. And you know, folks, you have to understand, I, I, I come at this from a civilian, an ordinary guy perspective, because that's who I am. I'm an ordinary guy. I, I'm not a firearms expert or industry insider. I'm not a gunsmith, uh, a fancy gunsmith that, that creates cool custom guns or anything like that. And, you know, I'm just I, I'm just an everyday dude that, that, that takes my Second Amendment rights seriously. And, and, I, and I live live in the great gun-friendly state of Texas. Uh, I'm a Yankee, born in New York City, raised in Wisconsin. Just made a really cool trip back to Wisconsin about uh, a couple of weeks ago. Spent a good week there vacationing with my family and getting out of the Texas 100-degree heat. And it was sure nice to get up there to Wisconsin and... Uh, and have some high 70s and low 80s temperatures for a while. But that's me. So I analyze these firearms from my everyday guy's, guy's perspective. And so so here we go. So for about a year, uh, well, before I talk about the last year's test, let's back way up. Let's back way up to 2005. Uh, in 2005 is when I really first started getting serious about concealed carry, competition shooting, training with a handgun, things like that. So I guess I've been doing it 14 years now. And my first gun that I ever had was a Sig P226. That was my first handgun. I had a 20-gauge shotgun before that and a 22 rifle, I believe. Um, but my, my first pistol was a Sig P226 in 9mm. Forgive me uh, for kind of a scratchy voice, by the way. I've kind of got a minor cold. So I loved that .226. Um, it had a trigger job done on it. Not a thousand round trigger job. It should have been a thousand round trigger job done by me before I had anybody work on it. But the gunsmith that did it was real good. And... Um, he basically smoothed up the double action and ha- gave it a real nice 
single action with a real nice reset and everything like that. But it was a two-tone gun, stainless steel slide, full-size heavy gun, Sig P, your, your typical Sig P226. Wish I still had it. Anyway, that's another story. So I got a lot of experience, about a year's worth of experience, shooting that DASA gun. And as most of you know, a few years ago, I bought a, a SIG Legion P229 when they first came out. And that's a fine gun as well. And, and, and a fine example of a double-action, single-action trigger. So I have had a, a decent amount of si- double-action, single-action trigger Experience. Same with 1911s. Uh, after I decided I didn't want to keep that SIG 226, my first handgun, I, I decided to get a couple of 1911s. I bought a couple of Kimbers, and I, I know some of you might not like Kimbers too much. You might not like their reputation. Maybe some of you listening to this right now, maybe you do like Kimbers. If you do, uh, let us know and, and, and give me your experience. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can leave me a voicemail, 210 646 1727 or send me an email handgunworld at gmail.com or you can follow me on on facebook at handgun world podcast on facebook or twitter and leave a message there uh and if you got some you know you got some comments about 1911s that's great i don't hate 1911s matter of fact i had two of them i had two kimbers spent a lot of money uh, one was a Kimber Target Match, which I don't think they make anymore. It was kind of a limited edition pistol. I forgot what the other one was. Oh, the other one was when they first came out with the Kimber Grand Raptor. I bought one of those. Both of them were really nice. Very, very nice. And I shot those for a couple of years in competition. Uh, carried them occasionally. Although sh- shortly after I had those two Kimbers, um, I bought a Glock 26 for a smaller gun to be able to carry when I didn't want to carry the big, huge, heavy, uh, almost 40-ounce uh, Kimber all-steel pistols. And, you know, it, it, I, I kind of considered that that was one of my first mistakes, not not buying the Glock 26. I'm not saying that the Glock 26 was, was a mistake to buy. It was a fantastic gun. But I'm saying it was just a different... It was a different, you know, completely different pistol. I mean, there's a world of difference between a, a, a 1911 and a Glock 26. And so I'm not a big fan of transitioning between the different gun types like that. I, I, don't, I don't want to call them platforms. Why does everybody say a gun platform? It's not a platform. <laughs> you know what I think a platform is? A platform is something that a speaker stands on uh, or a politician runs on. <laughs> platform. On a gun, so I'm going to call it a gun type. <laughs> just one of my pet peeves, you know. That's just like you know. I, I don't like to say I got oh, the grips on this gun. Give me a nice purchase on the gun. Purchase? Come on, what's a purchase? You know what a purchase is? A purchase is when you pull out your uh, your your cash or your debit card and you buy the gun. You buy the gun and you you get a receipt and they do the background check uh, if it's required and they. And they hand you the pistol and you go home. That's a purchase. You made a nice gun purchase. Now, when you, when you put that gun in your hand, you're getting a nice grip. Grip. Ah, okay. Pet, fee- pet peeves there. Well, I got a little off track. So, anyway, the Glock 26 was a completely different type of gun. And I'm not a big fan of switching between gun carry types 
for concealed carry. I, I believe if you're going to train with one type of gun, that's you should probably carry that type of gun. So if you're going to train with a 1911, carry a 1911. If you're going to train with a double action, single action, carry that. If you're going to train with a striker-fired gun, carry that. I think the consistency is important. You don't have to be consistent with brands, I don't think. I, you know, I mean, if you if you if you train and practice with a Springfield, you know, you don't have to carry a, a Springfield. If you carried a, a Smith and Wesson, or if you carried an H and K, or if you carried a Glock, or if you uh, carried a CZ striker, if you're if you're practicing and training and competing with a striker fired gun and you you carry some other kind of striker gun maybe a smaller striker fired gun i think that's good i think that's good because because you're used to how that gun operates so that's just kind of my personal you know preference when the stink hits the fan and you are in trouble and you are defending your life. I think you want to have something that you're familiar with. And so when I when I read about people or see people or hear about people that go to a competition match with a nineteen eleven style race gun and then they and the next week they put a double action single action gun on their waistband and then the next week they carry a revolver and then the week after that they carry a striker fire and then the week after that they go back to the 1911 and they rotate gun types i personally take it for what it's worth again just an everyday guy i've been doing this 14 years but i got some experience with it i personally think that's not a good idea because it you you have to you you want to make Whatever you have to do to defend your life with your gun, you want to make it automatic and reflexive and something you don't have to think about. You know, I go, I go all the way back to 1986 when I got my first training as a salesperson. Most of you guys know I'm an outside professional salesperson. That's how I make my living. I've done pretty well for myself doing that over the many, many years. When I first got my training, my mentor, Tom Hopkins, taught me everything you do, you have to be reflexive with it. It has to be second nature. It's got to be something you really don't think about. Whenever you say something, it's just a reflexive response. Whenever you do something, it's reflexive. And and 90% of the time, it's the right thing to do because you've you've practiced it and practiced it and trained it and, and used it hundreds of thousands of times. I think I think the same thing is true when you carry and have to use a, a gun in self-defense. It needs to be reflexive. You don't have to think about it. It's automatic. It's kind of like professional athletes. Most of the very good professional athletes, if not probably all of the pros, what they do out there is reflexive. It's not always right. I mean, they make mistakes. It's you know These are human beings. We're human beings. You and I are human beings, so humans make mistakes. But most of the time, it's what you've practiced, and most of the time under stress under a lot of stress and and would you agree with me on something would you agree that having to to protect your life with a handgun is going to put you under a lot of stress right so when you're under a lot of stress you're probably going to do whatever it is you've been training to do and you're probably just going to rely on your reflexes and your instincts and what you're automatically trained to do so here's here's the problem with that. 
is if you're switching between gun types every week or every two weeks, you, you, you probably don't have anything really incredibly ingrained into your mind to where it's extremely reflexive and easy and quick for you to use that firearm. That, that's going to be my guess. That, that, that's going to be my guess. It's kind of like, I mean, you know, you, you train on one type, you train on, on a 1911, and, and I've seen it happen. This is, and I'm not bashing 1911s. I'm just telling you what I've seen. I've seen people get so good with a 1911 that you give them a striker-fired pistol, and and they're looking for that safety. You know, you give them a striker-fired gun without a safety, and and they're looking for it. They draw that gun out of their holster. They're ready to shoot, and you can see them. You you can see their thumb looking for that safety. You can you can tell that their brain is looking for that safety. And when they finish shooting. You can tell that they're looking for that safety to put it back on to to re-engage that safety before they put it back into their holster because that's what they've done so many times. So why not stick with that? Okay, if that's what you're trained to do, why not stick with that? That's my point. So I have come to a decision and the decision is for me, definitely striker fired guns. Absolutely, without a doubt, it's going to be striker-fired. I'm going to train with those. I'm going to compete with them. And that's what I'm going to continue to carry. Um, the single-action 1911 style of gun and the uh, double-action, single-action style of gun don't really suit me very well. It's just personal preference. They might be great for you, and that's okay. And that's really, really okay. If they're good for you, Fine. Now, I am going to make one small exception to this, and that is the double action only car arms pistols. K A H R. Car arms. I totally like those guns. Car P380 and Car PM9 are the two favorites of mine. Their double action triggers are incredibly smooth. They're very, very good guns. It, sometimes they have reliability issues. If you get one that has reliability issues, either send it to car and make them fix it or get rid of the gun and get one that is reliable. But they are really good concealed carry guns of high quality and accurate. And and I I can shoot that smooth double action trigger very well. Matter of fact, I can shoot it better than I can shoot a double action revolver trigger, which is why J-frame revolvers are just not for me very much. I just don't. I don't do well with with J-frame revolvers because most of them have very, very rough triggers, very long triggers, uh, just as long as a car arms trigger, but not quite as smooth and don't quite break as well. Unless I I get a trigger job done on a a, um, J-frame revolver or buy one that's just got a super smooth trigger, but why would I want to do that when I can carry a car arms pistol with eight or nine rounds in it versus a J-frame with only five rounds. And both of them I can carry just as easily. So that's the only exception that I'll make. So for me, it's either going to be a striker-fired gun, without a doubt, or it's going to be something like a car arms uh, double-action-only pistol. Now, as far as which kind, you know, I'm learning it really doesn't matter. 
I've shot Glocks extensively. I've shot M&Ps extensively. Uh, I've shot the CZP-10. Uh, what else? I've shot XDs back in the day. Springfield XDs extensively. I used to own two of them. I had a 9mm and a 45 Springfield XD. Uh, not much of a difference for me between all the striker-fired guns. Really, not too much of a difference. I had, for a while, I had a Walther PPQ. Very fine gun. Uh, I didn't like the balance of it too much. I didn't like the real high bore axis and the balance didn't feel as good to me as an M&P or a Glock. But just personal preference. Some really like them. Um, I don't have much time with an, uh, spent with an H&K uh, striker fired gun, but I've shot one. I've shot a couple of them actually. Um, and so to me, it doesn't really matter too much which striker fired gun I put in my hand and I use. The most important thing that helps me be good with that gun is the amount of training and practice. You know, lately I have been practicing a lot going to competition matches. I, I really believe competition shooting is valuable. It's good practice. It's, it's, I would not say it's the best training but it's good practice. And there's a big difference between training and practice. Uh, a big difference. Now, you can get some training at a competition match, but mostly you're practicing what you already know. You're going to go out there and you're going to do what you already know. You might make a couple of changes in your technique or in your the, the way that you shoot. You know, you might take advice or see what other people do or take advice from some of the other shooters there at a co competition match. It's very, very valuable. I'm a huge proponent of competition shooting, and you've heard me say that many times over the years. I think you should be doing that often. Uh, I think you should go, go compete. I, I go out there at least a couple times a month, sometimes three times a month, and there's there's not much of a substitute for that kind of a practice. When you go out there, and because competition just makes you do so many different things with a handgun, as, as long as you can put your ego down and, and and don't worry about the fact if somebody beats you, if somebody scores better than you, if somebody places higher than you, if you don't work, if you don't worry too much about that, then then competition is very valuable and it's an extremely good amount of fun. So in my in going out there and, and, and doing all this stuff and, and training, I've been to many training classes, many hours, many thousands and thousands of rounds shot in training courses. In training with Tom Givens and Masada Yub and the Suarez International classes that I've taken over the years and the classes that I've taught people with Ben Branham at Beyond Concealed Carry classes and things like that. You know, all that combined with all the competition shooting, I've just determined that a striker-fired gun is what I I perform the best with a striker-fired gun versus any other kind. You, your mileage may vary, and that's fine. I, I'm just here to say on this show right now that pick one. Please just pick one type of gun. One type of gun. Whether it's single action only with a manual safety, whether it's double action only, even if it's a J-frame, if it's good for you. Striker fired, double action, single action. Pick one of those and stay with it. Stay with it. Now, there's a difference between just going to the range and having fun. 
if you just want to go out to the range with a bunch of relatives or a bunch of friends and have fun and you got several different types of handgun types and and you got a nice you know target 22 pistol 22 caliber pistol and stuff and you just want to go out and plink and have fun and shoot targets and things like that and and be safe and then laugh and and see what you can do with it and just have a jolly old time at the range well that's great i'm i'm all for that i've done that before and it is a a, a real blast no pun intended but when you get serious, when you compete, when you carry and you're serious about defending your life, pick one style of pistol. One style of pistol, whatever it is. And even if it's a revolver, I know a lot of you listening to this, you love and you carry revolvers. Uh, that's great. Train. Train and practice like crazy with those revolvers, okay? Please do that. So that when that time comes, and, and folks, I've said many times, it's, it's a day I hope never comes to me. I don't go looking for trouble, but sometimes trouble finds me. I hope it never does. I hope it never finds me. I should say sometimes trouble might find me or trouble might find me. I don't go looking for trouble, but it might show up in front of me one day. And when trouble shows up in front of me one day, I plan to be ready. I plan to instinctively reflexively know what to do and I'll be able to make my my gun perform the way that it's supposed to perform and I'll be able to make myself perform before and after the incident the way that I have been trained to do so seek out once you once you've determined what kind of gun that you're going to carry and stick with and for me it's going to be a striker fire of some type seek out the training not just with the gun but seek out the mental training what are you going to do after the shooting incident after you have defended properly and legally defended your life with that gun what are you going to do then what is your plan do you have a plan you better you better have a plan you know i'm a member of the armed citizens legal defense network uh, they have very, very good information about that. Uh, I've also taken uh, Masada Yub Group class twice. I've taken it twice, MAG-40. So that's also good stuff to... Um, to you you got to know that kind of stuff. And, of course, I've, I've, I've trained with Tom Givens and, and with the Suarez International team so that I can be effective with that gun. And I can use that gun, which is nothing but a tool it's nothing but a tool because my mind as ben branham says i'm going to give i'm going to give my buddy ben branham at modern self-protection a uh, a plug here he says uh you know a gun is just a tool your mind is the weapon train it well train it well your mind your mind's the weapon the gun is just the tool but I, I like i like to train and practice and go to competition so that i can use that tool to the best of my ability, when my mind says, hey, Bob, you know what? It's time to act. So, just a quick break, and I'll be right back. Okay, so, at this point, in my safe are Glocks and M&Ps. 
uh, as far as striker fired guns and so far those are working out well for me uh, two Glock 19s a third generation Glock 19 which I'm going to talk about in in a minute and a fourth generation Glock 19 and a Glock 48 and 43X I'm very impressed with the Glock 48 and the 43X uh, very impressed with both of those guns actually and I'll explain why I'm impressed with those and a couple of shield guns couple of Smith and Wesson shield guns and then car arms pistols all that's working out pretty well for me right now and uh, I think for the foreseeable future I'm going to stick with those although although I will say it might be finally time for me to check out the SIG P365s the the version one and the version two maybe maybe um you know, I, I operate under a um, very controlled financial budget because I also believe not just in my in my ability to prepare myself for self-defense, but to prepare myself for life. Most of you know I'm a survival-minded guy, a modern survival-minded type of guy. And, you know, used to do the uh, today's survival show back in the day talking about modern-day survival techniques and so I'm a big believer in also being a financial survivor because it's very important it's very yeah you know, the chances of the stink hitting the fan for you financially are far more likely than than it hitting the fan for you uh, in in a self-defense situation far more likely finances so it, you know if I if I invest in some sig pistols then that means I'm gonna have to make room in the safe or in the budget for them and I'm uh, I'm working on that speaking all that um, if you like what you hear on this show and you'd like to support this show you guys know this is a listener supported show I got one sponsor concealment solutions they're a great company uh, right now as we speak I have a conceal a concealment solutions Cobra outside the waistband they make great inside the waistband they make good appendix carry rigs for just about every gun out there um, you know, All-American made, 100% great customer service. Jason Christensen, the owner, is just a fantastic guy. Check him out, concealmentsolutions.com. If you use the one-word coupon code HANDGUNWORLD, you get 10% discount when you buy a holster there. So this one-word coupon code HANDGUNWORLD, please use that co- coupon code to get your 10% off and also to let Concealment Solutions know that my listeners are also supporting them as well. After that, it's a listener-supported show. Ben Branham and I have well over 80 videos and audio podcasts on the Shooters Club exclusive material you can't get anywhere else from myself and Ben. Join the Shooters Club, please. Shootersclubmembers.com. It only costs $8 a month to do that or $75 a year. In late October, Ben and I are teaching a couple of classes uh, October 26th and 27th, we're teaching Beyond Concealed Carry. Two days worth of good stuff. Much different than our previous Beyond Concealed Carry classes. We've changed it. And we're, re- we're repeating the same class November 9th and 10th. So if you can't make it on the 26th and 27th in San Antonio, Texas, come join us on the 9th and 10th of December in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, the weather in late October and November is usually very, very nice here in San Antonio. And if you've never been here or you don't live here and you, and you like to come here, they, they, San Antonio is a great tourist town. 
it's relaxing it's just a lot of fun there's a lot of things that you can do here in the alamo city in the great gun friendly tex state of texas so come train make a long weekend out of it or something like that and uh, we'd love to see you there you can find those at handgunworld.com you can find the links to sign up for both those classes at my website handgunworld.com so i want to close out by talking about a listener email an email i got and I get a lot of good emails. I do read every email, folks, just to let you know. I may not respond to everyone, but I do read every email that comes to me. And I get a lot of emails, but I spend some time and I read them. I recently got one that I really want to share with you. Mac from Delaware sent me this. Mac, thank you very much. Mac from Delaware, he says he's been enjoying my podcast for several years. Thank you. Thank you, Mac. Thank you for listening. And back in about October of 2018, I talked about the third-generation Glock 19 as a forgotten gun. Why do I call it a forgotten gun? Well, all the marketing hype about all the other guns out there on the market, and there are good guns out there, folks. And I'm not saying Glock's the best because I enjoy other guns as well, other, other types of guns, other brands of guns. But it just seems like the Gen 3 Glock's been forgotten. It's been kind of overshadowed by the Gen 4s, the Gen 5s, the M&Ps, the H&Ks, the CZs, the SIG striker fired and everything and all the hoopla about all the all the new new whiz-bang guns out there. The venerable extremely popular Glock 19 Gen 3 just kind of I don't know, I feel like it's kind of been forgotten about. And so that's I kind of called it that. And Mac responded, and he wanted to share something with me. He wanted to say he's happy to report that the Glock, the Glock 19 Gen 3 is certainly not forgotten in his house. He said he bought one a number of years ago, not too long after they came out. Wow, think about that. The Glock 19 Gen 3 came out a long time ago. So Max obviously had this gun a long time he says his g19 has had a thousand round trigger job several times over um if you don't know what a thousand round trigger job is you probably haven't been listening to my show uh some of my older shows i talk about the thousand round trigger job all the time i didn't invent that but it just kind of when i when the first time i saw it it just kind of stuck with me you can search thousand round trigger job on my website at handgunworld.com and you can listen to a whole podcast I did about that. He said his G19 uh, with night sights and a Pacmire grip uh, is pretty much stock except for the night sights and the Pacmire grip. And he's got a, he's got several other Glocks and Sig P229s. But he said, hey, over the years, there's been many times when he wouldn't clean it for two months, and then other times he'd do a, a full deal t- detail strip just for fun. It's eaten every brand and every style of 9mm that he chooses to feed it. He said he can probably count on one hand the number of malfunctions he's had with it. And uh, for him, the, the, the G19 Gen 3 has just been uh, uh, an absolute success. And... Uh, he says he enjoys shooting several times a month at local ranges and sometimes action pistol drills and his G19 sees action most of those uh, visits. 
And here's the coolest thing about Mac's email. He says, by the way, I'm now 70 years old. And I learned over the years that newer is not necessarily better. He goes on to say, I just hope my G3, my Gen 3 G19 does not wear out before I do. <laughs> Mac from Delaware, that's a great email. I appreciate that. Sometimes newer is not always better. You know, the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Most of the time is true. And a third generation Glock ain't broke. Um... You know, it's proven. The M&P pistols, well, they ain't broke. Um, the, the the 2.0 versions are are really cool. I, I like the 2.0 versions slightly better than the original M&Ps, but there's nothing wrong with the, with an original M&P as long as you got one that's good and reliable. And I've, I don't think I've ever seen a Smith & Wesson M&P that's not reliable. I mean, they're just terrific guns. Ask Ben Branham about a... Gen 1 M&P. Um, he, I think that's about all he carries when he carries a handgun. And uh, that's, he's, he's darn good with it. So, you know, newer is not always better. And if you got an older gun and you're good with it and it works well for you, just like Mac from Delaware and his uh, third generation Glock 19 forgotten gun, <laughs> if it works, then... Uh, Hey, um, go with it. Stick with it. Stay with it. So, Mac from Delaware, thanks for the email. God bless you, too, because he closed his email with saying, God bless you and yours, Bob. And uh, thank you very much. You know, the, I've talked to you guys uh, before. The Lord has blessed me. I am I am talking to you on this podcast because the God decided to give me a second chance in life um, uh, almost five years ago. And, and by the way, this November, I'm going to have my five-year cancer screens, and hopefully I'm all clear because as long as I'm all clear in November, uh, they're going to consider that five years cancer-free for me and probably cured. I had I had stage four non-Hodgkin's B-cell lymphoma. I was diagnosed in March 2014, and if you've been following my, my podcast, you know the incredible um, tough, tough treatments that I went through at that time. So I am here because God's given me a second chance and I, I plan to make the absolute best of it. So Mac, thank you very much. Mac from Delaware, thank you. If you guys want to send an email like this, uh, I'll most likely be sharing it on the Handgun World podcast. Just email me at handgunworld at gmail.com. So ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up this episode, I'll put out another one September 15th. I like to do this podcast now on the 1st and 15th of every month. So September 15th, uh, I got another really good topic for you. Maybe a real good interview if I can get it set up. There's one in mind that I'm thinking about getting set, getting set up pretty soon and hopefully release that on September 15th. Well, with everything said on this, please send me feedback if you'd like to. Until then, I'm Bob Main. You've just listened to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. And I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop. And remember, this is important to remember these days. This day and age we're living in, in 2019. Evil does not exist in the holster. Doesn't exist in the holster.
or on a sling. Evil exists in the hearts of men and women. Until the evil in the hearts of men and women go goes away, we're still going to have the type of world that we live in today. Shoot straight, shoot safe, and I'll talk to you next time. If they back me up